Not long ago, I made a trip to South Carolina, and the, the goal of the trip primarily was to watch my second grade nephew play basketball. I don't know if you've seen a second grade basketball game lately. <clears throat> it's something that everybody could ex- should experience at least once in their life. Uh, and, and since probably it's been a while for some of you, um, it, it's just a short, short, you're going to have to be ready because it's a short clip, but this will give you an idea of what I experienced that day. Uh, this video... <laughs> Yeah, so multiply that over four quarters, and that's what second grade basketball is. Like a lot of traveling. Fortunately, they don't call traveling, or the game would never end. So they dribble about once every six steps, and uh, they make a practice of throwing the ball to the other team. They're wonderfully generous in the second grade when they play basketball because they just share and exchange the ball. Interesting thing happened. Um, They had halftime, and uh, so the teams huddled up, and they got their strategy all together, their their strategy for how we're going to throw the ball to the other team and how we're going to trip over each other. You know, they got all of the strategy for the second half, made all of their adjustments, and then they come back out for the second half. You know basketball, you know how the second half works. Uh, The blue team had been shooting at the goal to my left as I'm watching. They've been shooting at the goal to my left the entire first half. It's halftime, so now for the second half, they're going to be shooting at the goal to my right. The red team had been shooting at the goal to my right for the first half. They're to be, for the second half, they're going to shoot to the goal on the left. This is a lot for second grade boys' brains to process in an eight-minute halftime. Some of you know where this is going, right? Early into the second half, blue team rebounds the ball. All of the red team runs to the other end. As a matter of fact, everybody in the stands, our eyes go to the other end because the action's going this way. And what we didn't realize is there was three boys from the blue team looking at the goal they had been shooting at the whole first half. And one of them said, shoot. And as if he had Jedi mind control skills, the other boy shot at the wrong goal. And the coaches are waving their hands and yelling. And the people in the stands are yelling at the boys that they're shooting at the wrong goal. And the referees are trying to get to the boys to let them know they're shooting at the wrong goal. And they just keep shooting. Finally, they get turned around. Now, the funny part is, it happened like three minutes later. Blue team inbounds the ball, inbound to blue team, and are amazed at their good fortune that they're already standing under the goal. (laughs) And so they start shooting again. Now, here's, here's the tough thing to explain to second grade boys playing basketball. You can't score shooting at the wrong goal. That's not how it works. Your team cannot win if you keep shooting at the wrong goal. And it doesn't matter how accurate you are. You could be a 100% shooter at the wrong goal and you're not going to win. 
You could have great form. You could make every single shot, and you're not going to win. You, you can't score shooting at the wrong goal. Now, that's true for basketball, and that's true for families, and that's, re- that's really true for life. Right? Like any area of life, you can't win and you can't score by shooting at the wrong goal. That's why it's helpful every once in a while to take an assessment of our orientation. Where are we pointing at? What are we looking at? What are we expending energy trying to accomplish? And is that the right thing? Is that the right goal for our life? We're going to talk over these next couple of weeks about family. We're going to look at family from a lot of different angles and, and even a lot of different definitions. Um, the, the things that we're going to talk about, they can apply to your nuclear family. They can apply to your extended family. They, they can apply to a group of close friends even. Um, they can apply just to your individual life, like this principle right here. Your individual life, family or not, you simply can't score can't win if you're shooting at the wrong goal and you and I have to decide all throughout our life what's the goal what am I trying to accomplish what direction am I heading now I'm I'm not suggesting that there's only one goal in our life Uh, we're all part of a family right We've all been through different stages of family. We were all infants at one time. Then we were elementary age, and we were middle school, and we were high school, and then we were young adults, and some of us went to college, and uh, some of us got married, and some of us had kids, and then it sort of started all over. And, and we know that, yeah, there are a lot of things you try to accomplish as a person and as a family through, through those stages. I'm not trying to oversimplify this argument. There, there are a lot of goals, and, and let's be honest, if you're a parent, sometimes the, the goal is simply how do I get kid A through the struggle they're having right now? Like that's what we're locked in on. And about the time I get kid A through that struggle, kid B starts their struggle. And so a lot of parenting, a lot of family is just how do we get through this? How do we get through diapers? And how do we get through this stage and through this next season? But over all of those little goals, there needs to be a main goal. There needs, there needs to be some overarching direction that our lives are headed, that our families are are oriented around, and then all of the other goals can come under that goal. Um, Super Bowl Sunday, right? Everybody excited? Great, that's awesome. (laughs) Great. Um, It's a good thing I'm not using football analogies because you don't care. Um, Tonight, Super, they're going to kick off uh, the football game, and the teams are going to have a lot of goals. Now they're going to have a lot of little goals, a lot of maybe we call them secondary goals. That's the way athletic teams are. They have a lot of little goals, they have a lot of secondary goals. Uh, for example, uh, tonight teams probably have a turnover goal, right? We, we want to take away more balls from the other team than we give up. We don't want to turn the ball over. 
or we want to control time of possession. At the end of the game, we want to have possessed the ball longer than our opponent. Or they have a red zone efficiency goal. Like if we get inside the, the, the 20, then we want to get points on the board. Or we want to get... We want to score a touchdown this many times when we're inside the twin. So they have all of these little goals. Basketball teams are the same way. We want to pass the ball five times before we shoot. Right? Uh, uh, we want to keep our fouls below this. We want to hit a certain percentage of free throws. Just like in sports, so in our life and in our family, there's a lot of other goals. Don't want to... Again, oversimplify this. There's a, a lot of other goals that we may have, but there's only going to be one goal that's more important than all the other goals. There has to be some primary goal. This is ultimately what we're going to define everything else by. Because here's the thing, tonight, about 9.30 tonight, something like that, 10 o'clock tonight, the buzzer is going to sound, and the game is going to be measured by one thing, the score. They're not going to give out a trophy for the team that had the most, most points and then give out, give out another trophy for the team who had the least turnovers. Well, you won too. Everybody gets to win. They're not going to hand out an award for... Uh, who had the greatest time of possession? Uh, basketball teams. They don't hand out a trophy at the end of a game for who had the highest percentage of free throws. It's not that those aren't important. It's just at the end of the game, when the buzzer sounds, you're evaluated on only one thing when it comes to sports. Sometimes at the end of the game, commentators will say things like, they won in every category except the final score. Translation, they lost. <laughs> they lost. They did some great things well. They met some of their secondary goals. At the end of the game, they were the loser because they didn't accomplish the thing that is most important, the most important goal. Now again, those other goals can be important as long as all of those goals support and tie into the ultimate goal. To the degree that everything else in my life helps me accomplish the main thing, all of these other things are great. Red zone efficiency. That's great because normally if you're good in the red zone, your chances of winning is going to go up. Free throw percentage. That's important. That's a good goal because normally the better your free throw percentage is, the more likely it is you're going to win. You're going to accomplish the other goal. All those other goals can be important. But you and I as individuals and, and as, certainly as families, whether you have no children or, or young children or kids in school or adult children, wherever you are in that spectrum, you and I have to figure out what does God want from our family? What, what would God say 
is the ultimate goal for us. And then how do we arrange everything else in our life? How do we arrange all of the other good goals that we may have for ourselves so that they don't take away from that goal, but they support that goal? Because here's a, here's a reality we, always, we, we all have to face all throughout our life and, and certainly throughout our families. There are always people pointing to a goal for your family. Always. Have you found this to be true? There's always somebody that is going to tell you what should be important for your kids, your family. You should be doing this. There's going to be somebody just like a second grader under the wrong basketball goal going, shoot here, shoot here. Dude, this is important. Do this. And if you and I haven't decided what is ultimately important, we're going to be pulled by all of those lesser important goals. Right? The, the, the goal is to get your kid in college, so you sign up for tutoring. You need to do some extra online stuff. Here's some things you can go. You can pay extra for this. You can get this, uh, you, you get this after-school tutoring uh, for your child. Hey, you want your child to get a scholarship, so they're going to have to do all of these things. You've got to make sure they get private lessons. You've got to sign them up with the right team. You've got to make sure they get with the, with the right coach. You want your, your child to play in the NFL, be in the Super Bowl one day, don't you? Well, that means you're going to have to do all of these things, right? You want your child to graduate from college and have a six-figure income, don't you? Well, then you're going to have to get them signed up for this, and they're going to have to go to this class, and you're going to have to sign them up for that. And the reality is there's nothing evil about any of those things some of them are a little misguided but there's nothing evil there's nothing immoral about having those goals for your child unless those goals become the goal all the things that our society well-meaning people point to to say to you, well, your family should do this, or your family should do this. We want to make sure they take really great vacations and have great memories and they, have all, they get to go to all these places and you spend all of this money. Everywhere you look, as you're raising a family, there are people saying to you, that's the goal, that's the goal, that's the goal, that's the goal. And moms and dads, let's be honest, it's exhausting sometimes, isn't it? It's exhausting because we feel the pressure. We don't want to mess up as parents. We don't, we don't want to shortchange our kids. Are, 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 we, are we neglecting our kids because we don't have them signed up? And everything? There's that, just that pressure that you feel as a family and even unrelated to kids. If you don't have kids, if you're, if you're not married, just that pressure of, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. You should be. When are you, right, singles, you get that a lot, right? So, when are you getting, you know, your cousin just got married. You know, they just, just constantly, go, go. You should, you should think that you should be pointing in this direction. Joshua was um, leader of the nation of Israel uh, after Moses died. The, the story is, some of you know it, the, the nation of, the, the Hebrew children leave Egypt under Moses. They get to the promised land. And they refuse to go in. God tells them to go in. I've given you the land. They refuse to go in. And so they spend the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And when they come back to the promised land to obey God this time, Moses passes away. And Joshua, his protege, uh, second in command, Joshua becomes the leader. And the whole book of Joshua is... 
how God uses Joshua and the nation to settle the promised land. God's given them the promised land, but they have to go in and, and take it, and they have to settle there in the promised land. So the book of Joshua, a wonderful book, is all about settling of the promised land. We get to the end of the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, and Joshua leads the nation in what's called a covenant renewal. Um, th- this is very common in the Old Testament. When moving from one stage to another stage in the, in the life of the nation, from one season to another season, very often the leader will call the people to covenant renewal. And basically, the leader says, let's remember our promises to God. Let's remember what God's done for us. And let's renew our commitment to Him because we're in a new stage now. God hasn't changed. Our commitment doesn't need to change. Things are different now. We're in the promise now. We're starting a new stage, a new season of being God's people. But we need to remember the promises we've already made to God and the promises God's already made to us. So it was called covenant renewal, promise renewal, promising again to follow God. This is part of that covenant renewal in Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. Now, fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you... Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You have to decide again, Joshua is saying. I know you've promised before. but You've got to decide again what the goal is going to be. Joshua's message essentially was, you have to choose. You have to choose. We've seen God do all of these things. We've seen God be faithful to us. Let let me remind you, you're going to run to the wrong goal and shoot. Are you going to choose that in your life, God's going to be first, serving the Lord, God's purposes for you, God's purposes for your marriage, God's purposes for your family, for where you are in life right now, that's going to be the goal. That's going to be first, or it's not. you got to choose. Now, he references all of these other people who didn't have to choose because all of these other cultures were polytheistic. They had tons of gods. Now, they were all false gods. They, they weren't real. They, they did, couldn't accomplish anything. But if you lived in a polytheistic culture, there was never a choice. You just had a bunch of them. And you could swap them out. And you could get rid of one. You could add two. You never had to choose, this is, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to follow. This is who I'm going to be fully committed to. There was never a choice. But for God's people, Joshua says... You have to make a choice. Is God going to be first or not? It helps us every once in a while to be reminded that we need to make a choice. Covenant renewal. We need to make a choice. Is God still going to be first in your life? Is God still going to outweigh all of the other 
tugs and pulls and points and goals that other people want to put on your family and your life? Is God going to be first? Because if you, if you make the choice for God to be first, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. When you make that choice, you will often realize that other people don't have to make that choice. Okay, and this isn't us versus them. I'm just saying, if you know people whose hearts aren't committed to the Lord, they aren't following after the Lord, maybe spiritual things just aren't important to them. They don't have to choose. They don't ever feel the tension of weighing, will this decision we're about to make for our family help or hinder us from serving the Lord? Will this thing we're about to sign up for, will this thing we're about to commit to, will this move we're about to make, will this help us honor the Lord and worship the Lord in our family more, or is it going to make it more difficult? They never have to ask those questions. Joshua says, God's people, you have to ask that question. If you're going to serve the Lord, there will be times you will say, we could go after that goal, but if we really pursue that goal, it's going to hinder our ability to walk faithfully with God. I, 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 would, I would even say, not trying to make you mad, I would say if you never feel that tug, if there are never times in your individual lives in your marriage, in your family, when you're trying to make decisions about the future, if there's never a tug of how is this going to impact me growing in the Lord, that may be a real problem. That may be a real problem. If you, you can just walk through life and set goals and, 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 and have ambitions and never come to one and go, you know, if we do that, it's going to pull us away from from our church family, it's going to make it difficult for our kids to be under good spiritual teaching in a children's ministry or a youth ministry for a long stretch of time. Like If you never feel that tension, that might be a problem. Because we can live day after day getting up and breakfast and Surviving carpool and dropping our kids off and going to work and picking up our kids and going to practice and eating dinner and getting showers and bath time and going to bed and getting up and doing it again without ever asking, how is this helping our family move closer to the Lord? How is, what, how is the way our life is organized? How does this say, God, you are first in my life? How are we reinforcing the priority of God being first in our family? Through the decisions that we make, the choices that we make, the things we get involved in. Please hear me. I'm not suggesting we all do 24-hour Bible studies every day. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we, uh, we have a compound and we just sit in the compound and we just read the Bible and we listen to worship music. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are a lot of great goals. There are a lot of great ambitions. I have them for my kid. I have three kids, if you don't know, uh, two in college, one in high school. There are things I want for them. There are ways I want them to succeed. But I know that 
through those, if they're not getting closer to the, if the Lord, if they're not walking with the Lord, none of those are going to ultimately matter. When the buzzer sounds at the end of their life, it's not going to matter what scholarship they got ultimately. Ultimately, it's not going to matter what team they played on when the buzzer sounds. It's not going to matter how wealthy they were when the buzzer sounds. Like when it's over, the only thing that's going to matter in my life, in your life, in your kids' lives, in my kids' life is did they walk with the Lord? Did they walk with the Lord? Did they serve the Lord with their whole heart? Again, Play ball, get scholarships, study hard, absolutely. But at times, as fam- if we're going to be no ordinary families, we got to constantly ask, God, is this preparing them to do your will, to serve you? And is this preparing them for that final buzzer in their life when the only thing that will matter is their relationship with you? Deuteronomy 6, a lot of us know it, a lot of us love it. We're told, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. He's talking to the adults. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Right As you're going about all that other stuff that's important, it's important to you. It's, it, it's important to have a well-rounded kid. It's preparing them for the future. All those other things. Don't forget... Talk to your children about the Lord. Tell them what God's done in your life. Tell them the spiritual hope, the spiritual direction that you hope their life takes. In in, uh, verse 20 of Deuteronomy 6, I won't read it, but basically he says, when your children ask about these commands that I'm giving you, explain it to them. Tell them. When they say, why do we do this and and they don't? Why is this so important to you guys, but it's not important to my friend's parents? Why why is serving the Lord important to us and and a lot of people don't even think about it? Why? Tell them. Tell them why this is so important to you, that, that you've walked with God and you've seen what God's done in your life. It's a... It's a... Command we find throughout the Old Testament. Very often when God does something great, he'll say, put a memorial there. Right? And, and so the nation puts a memorial in that place so that they remember. And usually when they do that, at some point God says, when your children ask you what this means, make sure you can tell them. Make sure you tell them what I've done. Make sure you tell them who I am. Make sure... As you're getting after school tutoring and you're preparing for SAT and you're practicing ball and as you're making your way through middle school and as you're trying to solve the dating issues of high school and as you're trying to figure out which college and which... As you're doing all of that, you better point to something solid. You better point to what I've done for you, who I've been for you, who I will be for them. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the, that's the commitment that no ordinary families make. 
Above it all, we got a lot of other goals, a lot of other dreams, things we want our kids to accomplish. Above it, at the end of the day, this is number one. Everything else pales in comparison to this. So all the people, if you read the rest of the chapter in Joshua 24, all the people say, us too, like sign me up, I want to do that, I'm in. And Joshua says, no, you won't. He was like real encouraging to them. Like, no, you're not going to do it. You're going to fail. You're terrible. And they, and they came back. They said, no, 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 really, really, we want to do it. And I think Joshua was messing with them a little bit because then he says, okay, but this is on you. You need to know this is a big commitment you're making. If you're going to commit, God's going to hold you to your commitment. This is on you. I didn't talk you into it. This is your commitment. And then the very next thing he says is, you need to go home and clean house. You, you need to get all that stuff out of your life that's pulling you away from God. You just need to get rid of it. You need to reprioritize, reprioritize some things. Like this is a part of covenant renewal. This is a part of renewing again in our individual lives, our personal lives, our family lives. A part of covenant renewal is going, God, I, I want to promise again that you're first. And then I want to get real honest when I look at my life and, and figure out what needs to go or what needs to be reprioritized or, or, or what is beginning to eclipse you for first place in my heart, in my time, in my resource. What, what, what is pulling me away from you? I just want to clean up a little bit. And maybe, maybe we need to do that. Maybe as a reassessment that, God, we want to serve you. That means we got to feel some tension that, that maybe we're pouring life and energy and time into some things that when the buzzer sounds, they're just not going to matter. It's not going to matter. And keeping us away from the most important things. What's the goal? Now here's the beautiful thing in second grade basketball. They would run down to the end of the court. Again, they dribbled about every six steps. They'd fall over each other. They'd lose the ball. But every once in a while, everyone off balance, awkward, not even looking at the basket, they would heave a ball toward the right goal and it would go in. And the coaches would go crazy. And the parents would go crazy. And the aunts and uncles would go crazy. It didn't even matter if that was your team. If somebody got a basket, everybody went crazy. Yay! In our lives, when we decide, when we decide, God, you're my goal. Everything else is coming under you. I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to make my life decisions under the umbrella of, can I serve the Lord when I do this? Is this going to make me more like Jesus? Is, is this going to help me be the person God wants me to be? You're not going to make every goal. And you're going to trip sometimes, and you're going to awkwardly throw up shots, you do it enough, though. You commit day after day, 
year after year. And some of those awkward, God, I'm just trying to do the best I can shots are going to go in. And the crowd's going to go wild. God's going to say, yes, I see that. And it wasn't pretty. And it was hard. And you're still wrestling with it, but I see that. That you put me first. And God will honor that in our lives and in our families. The band's going to come out in just a second and and sing a worship song over us. And you're invited to, to stand and participate in that. I also want to invite you just to come pray. Uh, Maybe for your life, maybe for your kids, maybe for your family. If this is covenant renewal, then maybe that's going to be a a demonstration of that for you today. God, I want to shoot at the right goal. I want to point my kids in the right direction. I I, I don't want to do homework and, and tutoring and sports and all of that's fine. And then the buzzer go off and I didn't direct them to you. Maybe there's some families you know of that you would like to come pray for. you just like to lift them up. Maybe they're on your heart. Maybe as we've been talking about this message, a burden for another family that you know is struggling, and you just like to come pray for them. Then as we sing this song, I would invite you as an individual, as a family, as a couple, just come pray. Just say, God, as for me in my household, whatever that looks like, maybe just you, maybe ten of you, Whatever that household looks like, just reaffirm to God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do everything I can to shoot in the right goal. God, I pray that you would stir us. I pray you would remind us of the need to be people who put you above everything. We don't Sell everything, go live in a compound. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about prioritizing every day and every decision and every conversation, every moment with our kids. Are we moving them toward the goal of knowing and loving and serving you? May we, in the spirit of covenant renewal this morning, recommit that our lives will be lived for you first above everything else. Your glory, your name for Jesus and that in doing that our kids would see it. Our kids would internalize it. They won't be perfect. None of us have been perfect. But there would be a a growing desire in our families to honor you more and more. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Let's pray together.